0: Today we continue our fall series, What Disciples Do, as we look at the difficult but urgent work of discipleship that Jesus calls each of us to endeavor. Our second lesson picks up where we left off in the Gospel of Luke a couple weeks back. We find Jesus is still at table. He's in the home of the Pharisee leader, eating a meal. Again, he finds himself in trouble with the Pharisees and scribes. But this time, it's not because of his table manners, but rather the company that he keeps. So in true Jesus form, he tells them a parable. Three, really. And they're all about caring and looking for the lost. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the Gospel of Luke in the 15th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Now all the tax collectors... And sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Which of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner that repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. Well, friends, I know... You've heard me make a Harry Potter reference in a sermon before, but I can't help myself today. In the first book, The Sorcerer's Stone, Harry goes to the famous wizarding school Hogwarts for the first time. On the train ride there, he meets the two people that will soon become his best friends, Ron and Hermione. Once he arrives at the school, though, the presumptive cool kid in any adolescent story shows up, Draco Malfoy. Draco invites Harry to be part of his crew and warns him that some wizarding families like theirs are better than others and that Harry should be careful not to make friends with the wrong sort. Malfoy offers to help him, but Harry quickly brushes him off and says, I think I can tell who the wrong sort are for myself, thanks. Who one associates themselves with, and the worry of associating with those of the wrong sort are at the heart of our gospel reading today. In particular, who Jesus associates with is at the center of the story. He's still at dinner of the chief Pharisee's home, and he's been teaching for some time, a good chapter or so into the gospel now. But at this point, he's drawn a crowd, a crowd that consists of people the Pharisees would never associate with, sinners. And worst of them all, some tax collectors, the ultimate pawns of Rome, the ones who've been exploiting their fellow Jews for some time. And so they grumble. Hey, this guy welcomes sinners, but even worse than that, he eats with them. This grumbling underscores our parables, three of them in chapter 15. All three are unique in Luke's gospel, unique to Luke's gospel. You're not going to find them in the other three gospels. And all three concern, looking for who or what is lost, and then celebrating when they've been found. The first is about a shepherd, a very common occupation at the time, but it's also one that has a special link to their faith, given the tradition of their shepherd king, David. In addition to the beautiful imagery of Psalm 23, of God caring for us like a shepherd to his sheep. This shepherd has 100 sheep, but one gets lost. The shepherd leaves the 99 in the wilderness and goes out to find the lost one. When he finds it, he invites all his friends over to celebrate. The next story is of a woman. Often in Luke's gospel, he likes to pair male and female characters as examples to create one story or one kind of unit together. So this woman has 10 coins but loses one. Notice the shepherd loses 1% of his net wealth while this woman loses 10%. She looks high and wide, turning her home upside down, trying to find it. reminding me a little of the habitual ritual of losing my remote control right before game time. When she finds the coin, she too throws a party for her friends. So we have two stories. Both have this flow of losing, searching, finding, and celebrating. The third story that follows is the story of the prodigal son, and, uh, it follows our, our two stories today, but it actually occurs in the lectionary much later during Lent for some reason. So we're stuck with these two today. This makes for three stories, though, of searching and finding what or who was before lost. What's the big deal? How, how does this rather relate to this particular moment in the gospel of people scoffing at, at Jesus dining with sinners? Notice how each story here is prefaced by Jesus as being a no-brainer sort of situation. He begins each story with, which of you? And then after explaining the dilemma, the reaction of the shepherd and the woman are given as if anyone would act that way. The problem is that what we have are a truly odd shepherd and a truly odd woman in the story. Only a negligent shepherd would actually leave 99 notoriously dumb animals behind in the wilderness to go after that one lost sheep. And I can't think of many people for whom missing a dollar bill would merit celebrating with a major party, the cost of which I'm sure exceeded the value of that coin. Now, we haven't talked yet about a very important word in the passage. One we saw a couple weeks back. parable. Remember, once we hear this word parable, our sense of logic goes out the window entirely. We know it's no longer a story now about the world as we know. It's a story about the world as God knows it. Or rather, it's a story about the world God is bringing about through Christ. We need to see these stories through parable eyes. When we do this, we learn that God is like a shepherd who will go at lengths to find a lost sheep, like a woman who will destroy her own home to find a lost coin. When they find what is lost, they celebrate. God's true joy is in seeking out and finding the lost. These parables tell us of the loving, persistent reach of God, a God who's not satisfied unless 100% of the sheep return home secure. A God who will dive into the deepest hole in the darkest valley to search for and save those who are lost, alone, hurting, or broken. Through Christ, know that God is about the work of seeking out and saving the lost. Even at the cost of throwing our sense of reality out the window. No matter how far we've strayed from, our, from God in our lives, know that God has not forgotten about us. God is still looking for us, and will rejoice when we are found. The sequence of losing, searching, finding, and celebrating really tells us of God's work in reconciling and redeeming all of humankind through Christ. In turn, though, as disciples, as those who have experienced God's grace, we too are to be about the work of seeking out and saving the lost. We are to seek reconciliation in our lives, to mend broken relationships, to feed those who are hungry, befriend the lonely, comfort the sick, sit with those in pain. The seeking out work of discipleship, while it's something that as individuals we can and should pursue, our text makes it clear that this is a whole community effort. Jesus tells these parables, remember, to a group of grumbling Pharisees who can't believe he'd ever associate with such lost people. In both parables, as well as the prodigal son, when the lost is found, be it the sheep, the coin, or the son, what happens next? They celebrate. And not just the person who found what is lost, not just their family, they invite the entire community to come and celebrate with them. Jesus invites the Pharisees to celebrate with him rather than to sit there and scoff and grumble. This discipleship action of seeking out and saving the lost is a community effort. Therefore, it's an effort of the entire church. When I say church, I say church with a capital C. Not just WPC, not just the Presbyterian Church, the entire Church of Christ, inclusive of every denomination and tradition. Though Christianity, friends, has been declining in numbers and cultural prominence for some 50 or more years, recently there's been a lot of attention given to those who are lost in the church. Much of the research and statistics go to a group known as the nuns. I'm not talking about Catholic nuns. Uh, The nuns are those without religious affiliation. It's a group that's been increasing for some time while the church can and should reach out to these folks, there's another group, though, that I think connects more to the impetus of our story. And that's a group called the Duns. The Duns are folks who are churched, perhaps for all their life or shorter, but through experience or burnout or trauma or otherwise, are now simply done with the church. To use the image from our lesson, these are the folks for whom the church has lost. And unfortunately, most of the attention goes towards blaming the people who have left, rather than reaching out, listening to these folks, and doing the difficult discipleship work of reconciliation and healing. Historian and religious writer Diana Butler Bass used a different term for duns in a recent article, Exiles. She writes in light of a genealogy trip she took recently to Europe, where she learned of two different relatives, one on each side of her family, who died because of their faith during the Reformation. These events caused her ancestors on each side to make the journey to the U.S. She notes that they were religious exiles, they were forcibly removed from the churches that had baptized them reared them, taught them the Bible, introduced them to Jesus and the sacraments and the hope of eternal life, and then betrayed them. She goes on, though, to note that such a history of exile has continued in the church. Over decades, countless people have been exiled due to discrimination over gender, race, theological differences, or from abuse, and trauma caused by various churches we've seen in the news recently. Bass challenges the church to reach out to the duns, to reach out to the exiles, rather than blame. She challenges the church to do the tough but necessary work of reconciliation, the very work Jesus calls us to do as disciples in seeking out and saving the lost. She concludes with this challenging quote, If nothing else, listen to the exiles. They aren't to blame for leaving. They're probably just holding up a moral mirror to the church. Friends, as disciples, as the church, we are called to seek out and save the lost. We're called to look for and listen to the exiles, we are called to reach out and comfort those who suffer in pain and loneliness and remind them that they too are beloved children of a God who is like a shepherd who will leave the rest of his flock to go after the one lost sheep. Or a woman who will turn her whole house upside down to find one lost little coin. And when they're found, to call the whole community together to celebrate with God. As the Father will say in the next parable, your brother... Your sister was lost, and now they're found. If we need, uh, friends, if we need a visual reminder of our work of seeking out and saving the lost, we need to look no further than these windows right here. One of my favorite things about our church and about our sanctuary in particular is being a Main Street church in a town, but having windows in our sanctuary that look out to Main Street. In our work of seeking out and saving the lost, we can always be reminded of what's going on beyond our walls here in the church. To always be looking out for our neighbors in need. To always be looking out for those who have been exiled, for those who are done, for those who need the love and support of the church. For those who simply need to be reminded that they too are beloved children of God. Friends, may we do this may we go out and do the difficult work of seeking out the lost. May we continue to do this difficult work of reconciliation, of listening and caring, that God might rejoice, and that we all might celebrate together in the kingdom of God, saying our brothers and sisters were lost, have been found. May it be so, friends.